Testing, 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 do you read? We in here! It's time for the Midday Madness Sports Podcast. We in here! And welcome back. Episode 7 of the Midday Madness Sports Podcast. Eric Miller alongside Noah Pegler. Super Bowl show. It's the Super 7, and we are here, still going strong. I want to thank you for joining us, whether, where, wherever, yeah, words are hard today, wherever it may be, whether it's Spotify, Google, Apple, the list can go on wherever podcasts are right now. So we want to thank you for listening and taking us with you wherever you are. Uh, Noah, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good as I'm getting ready for the Super Bowl. This is uh, one of my uh, favorite weeks of the year, just waiting for the big game. And then a lot of it just being focused on, you know, the football, the teams that are playing. And, uh, of course, I mean, it's uh, sort of just also like a relaxing period as well, where it's like the sports season kind of slows down, but then picks up again because March Madness is coming right around the corner. But how are you doing, Eric? I'm doing well. I actually just saw my first March Madness commercial last night when I was watching the Lakers-Bucks game. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's coming in like a month. By this Monday, by this Tuesday, it'll be a month away of March Madness. Easy. But I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm just waiting to hear back from people, you know, living life, working still, you know, doing everything that we can do in this crazy times of pandemic madness. So, you know. Super Bowl show is always a fun show because it's not really, I mean, of course, we'll get to the game and we'll get to the action and we'll get to our predictions. But normally what we like, what I normally like to do before is talk about passing rules that kind of like meant something to us, um, like our top three halftime shows. Uh, we'll also do the question of the day, which I have a really good one for you, by the way. Um, you also have uh, this day in sports history. We have our most, I I also thought of a category, our most bored Super Bowl. Uh, and there's there's a few that I was looking at. I'm like, oh, yeah, I got bored by halftime at that one. Um, and yeah, then we'll go into this Super Bowl and then we'll do um, uh, the quote of the day. So a lot of good stuff to talk about on this episode. And I don't really know where to begin. Like, do we do our favorite halftime show? Do we talk about the most boring Super Bowl ever? Uh, I mean, I I think we could uh, go with the most boring Super Bowl ever. Uh, that way we get the boring stuff out of the way. <laughs> right. <laughs> Mine was the Ravens and Giants. Um, I don't remember. Uh, I think it was 35, maybe 30. Yeah, I think it was 35. I actually 35, don't you're right. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, Super Bowl 35. Ravens won in dominating fashion 34-7. I remember the three kickoff returns, first time ever in Super Bowl history. Uh, the Ravens returned one, the Giants returned one, and then the Ravens returned one again. And that was like the most exciting part of the entire game. And I remember that game because everyone in my family got sick that weekend. We came down here to visit my family members from Massachusetts. We also call it the Sick Bowl, where everyone was sick except my brother and myself. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, like a bad time. But it was the honest, the only Super Bowl I did not really care about in my entire life. Yeah, now looking at that, I mean, 
out of all the Super Bowls that I have watched, that definitely was considered the most boring. <laughs> and I, I would say the one that I pretty much tuned out of the most was Super Bowl Forty Eight between the Seahawks and the oh, Broncos. And I that the the very first play, Peyton Manning with the snap, all of a sudden goes right past him, and he's like, "Where's it going?" And then ends up going in for a safety, and that ends up uh, allowing the Seahawks to score. And there was so much buildup for that game. Everyone was talking about, you know, the number one defense of the Seahawks because it was right after that Richard Sherman knocking the ball down and that "Don't you ever talk about me" speech. Where and then. He, he was saying he was pulling out Crabtree, a sorry receiver, and all that. And then you had Peyton Manning, of course, making the Super Bowl with the Broncos and making Adam Gase a superstar because he was leading that offense as a coordinator. And then, I mean, it's it you know it's bad when mo- more people re- remember uh, the halftime show more than the game because I, because more people were talking about Bruno Mars because they said. That Bruno Mars, I think, was like a great halftime show. It's like, well, the game was awful because the final score was like forty-three to eight. The, nope. the few, the, the few things I remember from that game was also, I think, a hard hit on Demarius Thomas, uh, where I think over the middle, know, right? Yeah, I think in the middle, and Cam Chancellor, I think, came in and popped him real good. And then I remember the uh, Percy Harvin touchdown return. But at that point, it was like, what, what are we watching here? Like, this was just <laughs> not a good game. But, I mean, and, and of course, all of America agrees, unless you live in Seattle, because, again, that was their first Super Bowl win yep. for that franchise. But definitely, I don't, I barely even remember the commercials from that Super Bowl, too. I, I had to look some of those up where it's like, what even happened during this game? So, yeah, mine was, mine was Super Bowl 48. Uh, so, actually, who were you rooting for in that Super Bowl? Um, were you rooting for Peyton, for Peyton Manning? At that time, yeah, I think I was rooting for Peyton because <laughs> I mean, yeah, me and my brother, we've always been the Mannings, and okay. it, like even my brother was watching the game and he couldn't even believe it. it's like really like this is happening like the one of the worst performances in the Super Bowl, and of course it happened to be with Peyton Manning. This is the one game that I'm watching, and it's this crap. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was, it, I mean, most boring and then also the most let down because there's just so much hype built for that game. I, I I actually enjoyed that one because I was rooting for Seattle. And I, I remember what the year before, Seattle was in the playoffs against Atlanta. It was right after, uh, it was before the NFC Championship game in 2012 for the Niners and the Falcons when the Niners came back and won and went to the Super Bowl. And I said to myself, the Seahawks will win the Super Bowl the next two to three years, they will be in the Super Bowl. They may not win it, but they will make it to the Super Bowl. That next year, with that Legion of Boom defense, with Cam Chancellor, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, Michael Bennett, who actually was not a household name at that time, but he was one of the best defensive ends at that moment. And you just had so many guys that you could not throw over that middle because you're getting popped, just like Thomas did. Welker did not want to go over the middle. That's what normally is bread and butter is those drag routes or even those quick slants. And he just couldn't do it. No one wanted to go over the middle because they knew one of those guys was coming. The offense was so quick. Uh, Percy Harvin was just lights out. And Russell Wilson wasn't even that perfect in that game. It was the defense. And that's why 
uh, Malcolm Smith ended up winning the defensive or the player of the game, the MVP, which you never hear of ever again, because think about it. That was what, eight years ago. And now we don't even remember who most of those players are. Most of those players are out of the league by now. Um, I will never forget. I was also the only person rooting for the Seahawks in the house at my brother's house. While everyone's like, no, Peyton Manning's got it, man. Number one offense. I remember watching or talking to him, like, tell you this defense, you don't understand this defense. And with 12 seconds of the game, as you mentioned earlier on, as the ball went past Peyton, there went the Super Bowl right there with it. <laughs> yeah, I just it, thought it was very ironic. And I was like, yep, I'm glad I picked them. Yeah, it was not a good game. And then also, um, I the fact that it was also in New York. I mean, I was happy that the Giants stadium got to actually host it because, yeah. I mean, to finally have it in the uh, Northeast. And I was hoping that, you know, this would open it up again. But there was probably there was, not ever again. <laughs> there, 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 there were some problems that they, it could have gotten a lot worse. But, I mean, the, the fact that, you know, they were advertising it for New York. But, of course, it's played in New Jersey. And <laughs> everyone keeps bringing that up. I mean, it was brought up. They're not real New Yorkers. I mean, the side note, I mean, we never mentioned this, but there was some person who filed a lawsuit that sa- saying that the Giants either need to move to New York or be renamed as either the New Jersey Giants, <laughs> New Jersey Jets, or East Rutherford Jets and East Rutherford Giants. The only way I see that happening is if Dallas rebrands as the Arlington Cowboys because they're not even playing in Dallas. True. Very true. And that – you. Like, there's a lot of teams that have to rebrand themselves. You know, not just Washington, who are now the commanders, as we mentioned last episode, but so many teams would have to change. Yeah. Yeah, well, the land, the land, the Landover Commanders and then the Santa Clara 49ers. Yep. Yeah, because they're not even in San Francisco. Yeah, it's an hour away. <laughs> like, it's the city, but it's not really, you know, like, New York City is close where the Giants and Jets play. So it's not like they're right outside of it. Like, I mean, they are, but they're what, like a half hour away from the city? Well, pretty much by traffic-wise, yeah. But, again, yeah. the only reason they're there is because where are you going to build a football stadium in Manhattan? You literally uh, have <laughs> – Hey, if Trump can build a tower, anything is possible. <laughs> yeah, certainly. But, anyway, let's get back to this whole Super Bowl stuff. I mean, that was a whole fun side note. <laughs> All right, so top I I pick my top three halftime shows. All right. Mine would be Katy Perry, Super Bowl 49, because she wrote a freaking lion. <laughs> and it was also to me, I mean, we'll get to the Super Bowl in a little bit as well. Although did I I don't think I put them in ooh. I have to maybe rethink this again. My uh, Super Bowl top five. Anyways, um, of course, the infamous. Super Bowl 38, Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake, wardrobe malfunction. Uh, have to put that into the, my top five, my top three Super Bowl halftime shows. J-Lo Shakira, Super Bowl 54. I actually liked it because obviously we grew up, well, at least I grew up with their music. I don't know about you know, because you're a little too young. But, you know, <laughs> I grew up with their music. I grew up with Beyonce and Destiny's Child. I grew up with Shakira with wherever, whenever. And I was bobbing my head. Not gonna lie, I, I'm not much into halftime shows. Normally, I take a break and I just kind of either take a nap or I eat a lot of food because I'm not really eating food and I'm watching the game. I'm too zoned into the game. 
and or I'll have the actual conversations that people want to talk with me. Uh, besides my uh, my snarky remarks during during the Super Bowl, but normally I don't pay attention to them. And those three, I thought J Lo and Shakira got a lot of heat for no reason. Uh, they're too sexy. They're too this. They're they're fifty years old and they're still performing at a high level in one of the biggest concerts of all, of the year. And you're gonna complain about them? Come on now. They're, they're, first off, they look amazing. Secondly, they still sound great. Thirdly, they're still doing the music and still performing. I don't have a problem with it. I thought it was a great Super Bowl. Uh, I, I never understood the the backlash that they got. I didn't think it was appropriate. I didn't think it was inappropriate. I thought it was a great show. It's probably one of the nicer shows that, that, that we've had in the Super Bowl in the last, like, 15 years at least. And it was women. First off, how many times have we ever really had a just women uh, performing? Now, I know Bad Bunny came in as well with the Latin artists, but there's a lot of good and a lot of diversity in, which also was right before the Black Lives Matter movement came along. Well, there was definitely some different performances over the year. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, every Super Bowl halftime has controversy. Like, uh, I'll just I'll just bring up some right here, like, uh, quickly. Justin Timberlake, I mean, <laughs> for example, the um, obviously with, yeah, like you mentioned with Janet Jackson, but then he even got criticized for his second one in Minnesota. That's when true. He played the hologram of Prince because Prince said that he didn't agree with that. So it's like it was disrespecting his wishes and everything, even yeah. though he was kind of, yeah. you know, trying to pay tribute to him. Yeah. And uh, Mar- Maroon 5, when they did Super Bowl 53, um, they got a lot of flack because Rihanna and Pink turned it down because they were upset about. Colin Kaepernick not getting a contract in the NFL and Rune five got criticized for, you know, picking it up because, you know, musicians were boycotting in a sign of solidarity to respect Colin Kaepernick. So Rune five got some criticism for that. And then, um, just, so those were just some of the other controversies, but it's easy to pick out mainly because again, this is a live concert to take away yeah. from the game, but then I'll go through my uh, top three, um, for number three. I mean, I chose the one one from last year, the weekend. I mean, right. la- last year, I will say, like, nobody expected with the pandemic. And mm-hmm. the weekend actually used his own money to set up everything with, like, uh, mm-hmm. all the visuals of, like, how they changed it from, like, Vegas to different cities. And then, okay. you know, I know people were sick when, you know, he had the camera and he's, like, in a room of mirrors. It's like, what is going on here? Yeah, I got uh, sickness. <laughs> but... I, I respect like his effort, you know, to put on a great show where in a in a year where you had the pandemic and a lot of unexpected stuff. So I mm-hmm. got that. Number two, I will say, I mean, I put Katy Perry because uh I will say that was a good halftime performance. And then also the dancing sharks, they're like, What is yeah. going on here? <laughs> Everyone was so like focused on the sharks that even Sports Center made a commercial about the two guys. They're like, they got in the car, they got out, they're like, You think anyone noticed or something? <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no one left else could explain those left shark rules. <laughs> yeah, and then um and then my number one, uh, what was it? It was from Super Bowl 50. It was when Coldplay uh, okay. did the Super Bowl. Um, they also had uh, Bruno Mars. Beyonce was there. But they, like, really went all out with the visuals and stuff. And then, I mean, I, I respect some of the songs that Coldplay has done over the years. I mean, part of me kind of wishes they went back 
they should have done like the next year or so because their bigger hit, which was uh, what they did with the chain smokers, something just like this. Yeah. That, that would have been a perfect moment, but I put them as like, I mean, the one halftime show, I mean, I guess I respect more for the music, but again, it's just a halftime show and it's like, yep, it just, it is what it is with the Super Bowl. Yeah. And it's 12 minutes long. I actually cannot wait for this Super Bowl. Like Eminem, Dr. Dre, Mary J. Blige, uh, Lamar, Kendrick, or Kendrick Lamar, um, it, oh, Snoop, I know. Like, if you haven't noticed on any of our promos, I at least put in all instrumental music of these three artists, and I'll probably keep doing that for the rest of the next couple of weeks just to honor these guys. Because I like, first off, this is my childhood right here, and I don't know if you saw the Facebook post where all these kids that are like, thir- or all these parents that are like 35 and older, their kids are going to finally see how their their parents acted as children <laughs> because i guarantee they're gonna sing every song they possibly can and every lyric that they know <laughs> i know i will be one of them um you hit on last year's uh, super bowl halftime with weekend i don't remember it because i was drunk by halftime i'm not even gonna lie i i was so gone and i remember watching the game like well of course brady's gonna win this game it's brady you can't go against him and by like, I think by second quarter, my friends and I, we were just Snapchatting each other. And everyone's like, Eric, is Eric, is Eric okay? No, I'm gone. This is the first Super Bowl I've ever been wasted for. <laughs> I remember a lot of the Super Bowl because I remember everyone like crapping on me because I was rooting for Brady. I'm like, it's Brady. He's on the Bucks. He can't hit him anymore. He's on the Patriots. He's not the bad guy. Mahomes is. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Just like Super Bowl Forty Eight, honestly, considering how uh, that that game ended up sort of falling away, like it wasn't a good game for the Chiefs. But no. and it was a great defensive plan for for Todd Bowles, though it was ah. And just I, I forgot this video. I had to find this video again. But some guy broke down the way that the defense just kept changing from inside to outside, outside inside, just on the line, and then disguising their coverages. It was amazing to watch. I was like. See, this all makes sense. It was not Brady, because Brady wasn't that great in the game. Let's face it. He was good, but he wasn't perfect. And they just had a better defensive game plan for Mahomes. When you talk about Coldplay, did you know that Coldplay also has a lawsuit against them from 2008 hit Viva La Vida? Oh, really? Yeah, so it was actually stolen. And a lot of songs are stolen. Like, a lot of artists will take it they'll pass it down like oh you don't want it oh you can't afford this or whatever it is and some guy made the tune had the lyrics and had everything done coldplay never paid to this guy for it they used it they got the big bucks and then that guy brought him to court wow i mean <laughs> i feel like i thought i heard something about that a while ago but then yeah just uh, never really thought about it again that was from the year that i graduated in high school that's why i remember it because um, my friends were talking about it, like oh Oh, but that's such a good song. Ooh, you got trouble. (laughs) I I would say an honorable mention for me, I don't know about you, but an honorable mention for me is The Who because I love that halftime show. It was just them on stage. The lights were awesome. It was in, I think it was in Miami because it was uh, the Saints and uh, the Colts in the Super Bowl. This is when the Saints won by 31 to 17. That pick by Tracy Porter all the way to the end zone was such a great pick. But, man, that Super Bowl halftime show was a really good one. 
Yeah, if, I mean, honorable mention, at least one that I've seen. Um, I would probably have to say from Super Bowl 51. That was when they had uh, Lady Gaga, because the one thing that you, you remember from that Super Bowl, she jumped off the roof. She where did. She did the zip line, and then, I mean, she put a lot of effort into everything she did as, I mean, obviously she's got a lot of iconic songs. So, yeah, an honorable mention to Lady Gaga from Super Bowl 51. Yeah, that would that would definitely be. I wish I saw the Michael Jackson one. U two is good. I I don't like. I think back then I was really too young to know what the halftime shows were. It was honestly with the Justin Timberlake and Janet Jackson one that I I actually paid attention to. And I was at a I was at a buddy's house of mine, and we watched it, and he was freaking out when the incident happened. Like, oh my goodness, that's the highlight of my weekend. <laughs> Again, we're like 12, 13 years old kids, so. We don't really know what the heck's going on. We knew it was a malfunction. <laughs> yeah, I mean now that's what that that's now why we have uh sec like five second delays on live broadcasts for incidents <laughs> like that. And definitely for PR reasons. But then also quickly, uh one more thing about like halftime shows is that they used to not be focused on like just singers and performances like that. I mean, if you look at the history of the halftime show, it's like one I was looking at um like cringiest uh halftime sh- performances. Mm-hmm. One time I think they had like an elf they had like a Elvis impersonator performing like magic or something. Yep. And then one year I think they were they were advertising like an Indiana Jones like in the 90s, ride, yeah. I think at an amusement park. Yeah, the, yeah, it was in the early nineties before like when before Michael Jackson took over and that was when they started doing more performances. And I mean I think back in the like very first Super Bowl, I think they just had some guys riding jetpacks and they went up, flew around, went back down, and then that was the end of halftime. And then, I mean, the halftime performances can be so long where even with the, when Bruno Mars performed in that Super Bowl 48, I'm bringing it back to this, Russell Wilson, I believe he said he took a shower while he was waiting <laughs> before halftime, just to, before he went back into the game because he had enough time because the halftime show was so long. Well, this leads me to the question of the day for you, because obviously we're talking about this. Do you know how many marching bands have performed in, because you mentioned this earlier, that before it wasn't really a lot of artists. It was bands and a lot of individuals. They were doing themes and whatnot. So do you know how many bands perform in the Super Bowl, Noah? So marching bands you're talking yes. about. Yep. College marching bands. Oh, man. Um well, I, I mean, this is going to be a, I'm just going to have to guess a number here. So right. I'm going to guess about, I would say 20 marching bands because you're talking about the history of the game. So I'm guessing 20. Close. 26. Oh, okay. Oh. And Grambling State has the most of them that has done six of those. Grambling State. Wow. Yep. <laughs> yep. It's, it's very, like the list is so random. You had uh, Florida the Gators and Florida State marching band together at one point, I believe it was in Miami, which kind of made sense because they wanted to be more closer. But Grambling State was in the first two, and then it kind of sporadically were in, was in it. And then I believe the 30 years of, oh, who was it? Diana Ross in the 90s. She They also had them in the, uh, the halftime show. But they have the most uh, halftime shows for a marching band. So Ohio State's not on that list. No, Michigan is though. Oh man, yeah. I'm surprised they. 
I'm knowing how good Ohio State's marching band is. I am surprised they have not tried and claimed that as an offense or something. Like the fact that they got to be there. <laughs> and honestly, I really seeing how good Ohio State's band is. Like, there's you can see a bunch of videos of all the work that their students put in. They really mm-hmm. should get in, invited for at least one of the Super Bowl halftime shows. <laughs> but however, that's been more recently. Has it always been that way? Because now that social media has been really big, now we're seeing what they're able to do. But have they always been that way? Mm. Well, yeah, that is tough, <laughs> tough to say because, I mean, how many people were watching marching bands the whole time throughout the 70s and 80s? But that, that's part of, you know, adding more attention and actually more funding, of course, for those yeah. universities because they, they have the know-how and the knowledge. And get, because now I'm sure they, they, you can get a professional career and being like the, the conductor and everything in a marching band. Oh, yeah. Yeah, marching band has definitely taken off. I mean, I have a friend of mine who was in our marching band at the University of Chippensburg, and they, I mean, they have one of the best marching bands in all of D2, I feel like, but I haven't seen every single one of them. But I've all, every time I go to a football game, I've always been impressed with the way they do things and the sound they, they produce. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, good uh, shout out to Kutztown's marching band as well, because I've always enjoyed them when I was calling <laughs> their games on the radio. They, they, they I mean, it, they they did their best, so yeah. So did the so did ship, you know, PSAC conference. Yeah, good old Division Two football <laughs> here on the Midday Madness podcast. And actually, we're uh, we're playing against Westchester tonight. Well, the Raiders are for ship. I don't know about your uh, your Golden Bears today's schedule, but well, I know they're going down the. Sh- I think they're going down the Shepherd this weekend, and I mm. got the the one guy I call the game with uh, this year, I think is heading down there to West Virginia. So yeah, hope it goes well for him. Yeah. So that is your question of the day. How many marching bands have performed in the Super Bowl history? And so now let's do, let's do a fun one. Let's do the commercials. This is one of my favorite ones because I, there are so many out there that I just kind of enjoyed watching. Uh, What's some of yours, Noah? All right. I mean, I got at least 10 here I can go through. Um, that's because, I mean, I, I enjoyed the commercials because they've been okay. pretty good. Um, I'll, I'll go through my 10. I mean, number 10, um, this one was from Super Bowl 52. It was an NFL commercial. It was Eli Manning and Odell Beckham Jr. And they were at a practice facility and they started doing the scene from Dirty Dancing. Like the yes, I remember dance. this one. And <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, that one, I mean, it was an awful year for the Giants, so I was like, you know what? I at least got something to, to laugh at. And you know what? Since we didn't score a lot of touchdowns either, that was the closest thing we got to a touchdown celebration. It's so so there you have it. <laughs> uh, number nine was from last year. Um, it was a T-Mobile one. Uh, it was pretty much talking about spotty coverage, and it was explaining how you know Gwen Stefani ends up dating Blake Shelton, where apparently <laughs> – Adam Levine mishears it, and I was having some fun with that commercial. It's like, really? <laughs> I just enjoyed the fact that they were poking some fun at that. And then number eight, um, was it was a Bud Light commercial. Um, you know, like, you know, Bud Knight and everything. I mean, uh-huh. it was overstretched and it saturated at the time eventually. But then the one that stood out to me was uh, one with corn syrup, where it's like, we got this bu- this uh, barrel of corn syrup. Who is, is it? And then they traveled to like, Hey, Miller light. Is this yours? Like, no, we already got ours. Try Coors light. He's like, okay. Then he's like, okay. And, and then, Hey, Coors light. Is this yours? Like we make ours of corn syrup. He's like, 
Did we make that clear? Yeah. Corn syrup. <laughs> I remember these. These are so great. Yeah. And then um, I'll, I mean, I'll keep going here. Where, yeah, go uh, for it. Number seven. Um, I mean, this one was more of a sentimental one, but it was Google where it was a, it was talking about a man who was remembering a bunch of things and uh, mm. he was remembering of things he used to do with his wife. I mean, he, it was a show that he could still remember these things, even though I believe he, he might've been suffering from Alzheimer's. I believe that was one thing the commercial was leaning towards, but it was definitely a soft touch, but the, mm. that's why I put that in at number seven. Number six um, was one from last year. It was Rocket Mortgage with uh, Tracy Morgan, where he's like, pretty sure. He's like, let me explain to you. And he's like, oh, I'm pretty yeah. sure these hornets aren't the murdering type. <laughs> and then he's like, I'm pretty sure these aren't poisonous. <laughs> it was just so funny. And then he's like, I'm pretty sure you could take on Dave Bautista. He's like, bring it on. <laughs> it was a good one. And then um, the next one, number five, was uh, it was a Snickers commercial. And what they did was they took a scene from the Brady Bunch and it was with the guy who plays machete and he's like peter hit me on the nose and everything and then he's like uh he's like he's like an eye for an eye that's what dad always says like i never said that and he's like shut up and then like Marsha, eat a snickers and then that that i mean snickers it goes all out and then number four uh for me was amazon when alexa loses her voice and they're like replacing it with a bunch of celebrities and oh, yeah. they had uh, Gordon Ramsay where it's like, Alexa, how do you make a grilled cheese sandwich? It's like, pathetic. You're 32 years of age and you don't know how to make a grilled cheese sandwich. Its name is the recipe. <laughs> <laughs> then they ended up having like Cardi B and then, uh, then, then you had uh, Anthony Hopkins at the end and then, so that was number four. Number three, the next two are Doritos commercials. Doritos. Oh, of course. You could almost make an entire list of Doritos commercials oh, yeah. that they, they have done for the Super Bowl because they have been good. But uh, my first one, number three, is from 2014, was uh, the time travel one. When you have a little kid where he's like, hey, you want to try the time machine? It runs on Doritos. And then he's like, this is the greatest moment of my life. And then you have an old man come See out. Me? <laughs> You're <laughs> so like, old. <laughs> It's the future. <laughs> and then um, number two um, was uh, the, the next two were actually um, this one's also a Doritos one, but they were both from the same year, 2013. It was uh, it was Doritos where it was a little girl where she's like, Dad, can you play dress up with me? He's like, I've got to play football with the guys. But she's like, got Doritos. And then they're like, Steve, where are you? And he's playing dress up and everything. And then the next thing, they all start playing dress up. The wife comes home, and then she's like, is that my wedding dress? And then he's like, could be. <laughs> I mean, it was just kind of funny. And then number one, I mean, I'm not sure if I mentioned this on the show last week. We had, There was a lot of things we mentioned, but right. number one was uh, an Oreo commercial where it was cookie versus cream. And you know, just have a bunch of people in a library where uh, they were like, starting the conversation where it's like i preferred the cream part of the oreo it's like that's crazy the cookie's the best part they start fighting it's like and it's a cream yeah cream cookie and then everything with that commercial and then they're like you guys have got to stop fighting we're the cops so that was my <laughs> number one commercial but those were my top 10 super bowl commercials oh those are good 
I, I'm definitely have to say, I like some of those I forgot when I was looking this up. I'm like, oh my goodness, that was great. I love this. I, I'd have to say, oh, I was losing my voice already. Peyton Manning commercial of uh, Super Bowl 51, where he's hosting the party. He's like, all right, guys, I have to admit, I haven't done this in a long time. Normally I'm there, but I want to thank you guys for coming. And then it was uh, Brady when he came back from the 25 point deficit. It's like, oh, well, let, let's watch Dancing with the Stars or something else. I, I know there's something better to watch. And then he's looking at the score like, no, no, we're going to keep it. All right, but I don't I don't think, okay, yeah, they got a touchdown. Yeah, that, that's nice. They at least got one. Then they get another one. And he's like, you know, guys, I have some really great dip. I have, some, I have this really good food. Let's try this out. And they're like, no, 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 we're going to keep watching the game. And then all of a sudden, it's time. And Peyton Manning's like, really? <laughs> And then right as they're about to run it into the end zone, he turns the TV up. Oh, the game's over with. Sorry, guys. You can't watch this. I think I slightly remember that one. I think that happened after it was the Eagles Patriots Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Because it was a year after it happened. So Peyton's like, well, I'm used. To, I'm so used to playing these games, not actually being being here for them. Um, I, I do have to also mention the the E Trade Baby of 2008. Um, that was one of my favorite commercials of all time. They all, I don't know if you remember E Trade at all before like Bitcoin and all these other cryptocurrencies happened. Um, there was this baby talking about trading his stocks, um, and one of them was where he was. Uh, I guess he rode the. Um, he rode the dog like a horse and it's frowned upon in this establishment. And he's like, well, luckily I actually uh, did this and I've already traded all things. And he's like, you know, did you know that I wanted a bird? <laughs> Couldn't give me a warning bark. I wanted a bird instead of you. <laughs> That'll always be uh, one of my favorites. And then the Betty White one, you're not you when you're hungry. Snickers commercial of uh, 2010. And of course, they're playing football. And he's, she obviously says, the, uh, Well, that's not what your girlfriend said. Hey, hey, you're not you, babe. Eat a Snickers. Are you feeling better? Much better. <laughs> Definitely a good list right there, Eric. Very good. I don't like some of these I keep forgetting about. And I had to like look these up. I had my list up. Uh, the Puppy Love Budweiser commercials, that was adorable. Um, it, it was just so cute where it's like the bond between the horse and the puppy and they, they grow up, but it was actually a sad one too because the, they get separated, and then the Clydesdale and the dog remember each other in like some kind of fair or whatever, and they, they just yeah. come back. That I'm not gonna lie, I kind of shed a tear with that now that I have a dog who's he's outside. I think it's fine. It's 50 degrees outside. It's not that cold. Uh, and then of course the uh, the FedEx commercial. I love the FedEx commercial with the caveman. Uh, it's before they have uh, FedEx at all, and this is like from Super Bowl. 40, I believe it was that one with the Steelers and Seahawks and the cavemen are like trying to figure out how to sell or send these uh, packages. And the, the main caveman is like, well, did you use FedEx? And the guy's like, no, or the caveman's like, no, well, you're fired. But, but FedEx doesn't exist yet. FedEx doesn't exist yet. Not my problem. You're still fired. So he gets out of the cave, out of the office, kicks a baby dinosaur, and then a brontosaurus just steps on him. <laughs> Like there, there's so many good Super Bowl commercials. Um, the fixed pretzel pop tart, which I thought was hilarious. Uh, there's a drawing from the cheesy yet humorous commercials of pop tarts. 
and they have like as seen on TV kind of uh, pretzel toaster pastries. Are you tired of pretzels? Not pop tart pop tarts toaster pastries. Uh, it was actually the Queer Eye cast member who asked the pop tarts fixed that fixed for you. Um, I thought that was a really funny one. And then of course the uh, as good as the original Mountain Dew, where they have like the dual like everyone. It's the Shining commercial. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, with Brian Cranston and Jack Nicholas as uh, Jack Torrance. Um, here's Johnny scene, but instead it's here's Mountain Dew. <laughs> yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> so there, oh, there's so many good ones, but those I would have to say top my list uh, for my favorite commercials, especially the Betty White one because it's Betty White. You gotta love a good commercial with Betty White in it. Uh, and of course, the other one I forgot is the Terry Tate office linebacker. Where he just like bulldozed everyone in the office, <laughs> and it's before like the office became the office. Um, so like it's a mockumentary, and he's just like laying everyone out during the Super Bowl. Um, and I'm trying to remember which which Super. I think it was the uh, trying to remember which one it was. The Super Bowl with the I think yeah it was the Bucks and the Raiders, which John Gruden owned his own his old team so those are a few of my favorite ones i i, I mean i agree with your list wholeheartedly those were great ones as well so um don't forget to also listen this is a, going into a quick segment segue of the epic narrative in season two known to many as a biblical storyteller i know him as my father he just makes the bible come to life in a relatable and comedic way listen to the epic narrative season two the first season is about David, the life of David, and the second season is about the beginning of Genesis. So if you're looking for a new podcast to listen to, The Epic Narrative is in season two. So don't forget to listen to that wherever you get your podcast. Also, don't forget to email us at middaymanasports at gmail.com. You can email us questions, uh, where we get our facts, what we're going to talk about next. Maybe we'll give you guys an email. Maybe not. But we'd love to hear from you guys anyways. At the midday madness sports at gmail.com. Uh, we are getting branding soon. Uh, we have been talking to a marketer soon. So uh, Noah gave me his foot, his professional photo finally, you know. So I'm waiting to hear back from her. Um, no pressure on her. She's kind of family. So I'm giving her some time. But yeah, don't forget to like us, love us, and share us on Facebook. You can catch all the episodes on Facebook. Uh, we're gonna think we're thinking about getting an Instagram page too, and we're gonna try to do some graphics as well. So we're really like Noah and I are really starting to do the groundwork on this and then trying to go go big and go home, you know. I mean, we already are home, so we might as well go big, you know. <laughs> Eventually, this will be like an in person one, uh, depending on like the way things at least are changing in my life, you know. Maybe we are gonna move to closer to the Harrisburg area or even. Out in Reading, who knows what's going to happen? But um, with becoming a father soon, things have to change. We can't raise the child here. So I'm looking in my dining. I'm actually in my dining room. I have my own. This is my own little sports cave, my sports area. I have my wall, my calendar. I have all my Yankee stuff. And as you, well, you can't really tell that one, but there's the Yankees thing behind, and then there's the whiteboard. So it looks like my own little office, but. We can't. We don't even have a dining room table in here. We got rid of it because there's no space in this in this house. So my wife and I are looking for a place to move. So. Mm. Um, 
top five Super Bowl games, Noah. All right, top five. Here we go. Um, yeah, this is going to be a fun one because this right here is the games and the moments that mattered the most that made you win a Super Bowl and made you go to Disney. Yeah, as uh, number five, I mean, for me, Super Bowl 54. I mean, the Chiefs versus the 49ers. I mean, it was the first time in a while we had not finally didn't have to be forced to watch Tom Brady play in a Super Bowl because he had made it in 49, made it in 51, 52, 53. I mean, it took, just kept going and going. And then the fact that the Chiefs, it was the first time in the Super Bowl since I believe Super Bowl, I think it was four or five, and they had uh, finally won. I believe Len Dawson uh, was their QB. Hank Stram was the coach, and the Chiefs. I mean, I was I was happy for Mahomes. I was happy for Andy Reid, one of the greatest coaches to play this game. That the coach of this game, and he finally got that Super Bowl, and that was my number five. Number four, this one could have been higher if the outcome was different. And that was Super Bowl 49, Seahawks and Patriots. I remember watching this game, and it was a battle right to the end. Both teams wanted it. Tough touchdowns scored by both sides. Seattle was marching downfield, and Jermaine Curse makes an incredible catch. Like, he's like just bobbling it. It like stays on his body, and then he makes the catch to set him up in the red zone. I was like, I can't believe this is happening. And then and yet, what did they not do? All you need to do, give the ball to Marshawn Lynch. You have a guy named Beast Mode. He weighs like over 250 pounds. He can punch the ball in. And then you try and throw a, like that quick play from Russell Wilson and Malcolm Butler. No one knows who Malcolm Butler is if he doesn't make that play. But yet he does. And everyone in America was shocked. You could see it on their faces. Sherman was heartbroken, and Carroll was thinking, what did I just do? Because clearly that cost him the game, and Brady couldn't believe it. Honestly, I think if Brady was ever asked about, you know, what was the, probably the luckiest moment of his career, he would have probably imagined that it had to be that Super Bowl because he got a feel that he wasn't going to win that game. But, that but was- Do you also remember how many timeouts they had? I mean, they had – well, you're talking about Seattle, right? Yeah. Well, they had, you're saying they had two timeouts? Yep. They had two timeouts, and they didn't run the ball with 18 seconds left. Yeah. That, that's, that's. And you could have got a safety if you weren't stupid and rushing it with their defense because that was also what killed them because they were at the, like, one or two-yard line because Malcolm Butler ran out of the end zone for the interception. So he got to, like, one or two-yard line. So you're already backed up. Brady's got to kneel it. Where's he going to kneel it? And they got him off sides, which pushed them five yards up again and gave them even better yardage to get uh, to kneel down instead of kneeling down in the end zone and then getting the ball and then going for a field goal or a touchdown to win it. So there's so much more than just not running the damn ball. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the most boneheaded moves that people will say of the Super Bowl era and it, it, it rejuvenated the Patriots. So then number three, I had to put Super Bowl 43 between the Steelers and Cardinals. I mean, okay. looking back on this, I mean, this was a great game. I mean, this, you had the Steelers making their first Super Bowl under Mike Tomlin and then Kurt Warner leading the Cardinals to their first Super Bowl. 
And then also the meaning of the game. I mean, the late, great John Madden, that was his mm-hmm. final broadcast. And, I mean, the great moments of where you had Larry Fitzgerald running downfield, scoring the touchdown. Then you had uh, James Harrison with that return all the way, like 99 yards or 100 yards. It was amazing. Yep. And then the pass to San Antonio Holmes, uh, tiptoe, unbelievable. Like, I can't believe he caught that ball and even kept his feet in bounds. That was a legendary catch for them to win the game. And e- even my brother he ha- has told me he thinks that is actually the greatest Super Bowl of all time. And really? Yeah. He, I mean, my brother's not even a Steelers fan. He's a Colts <laughs> fan. But Ooh. yet he, he, he regards that game as, like, the, the one of the, probably the greatest Super Bowl ever. But then my, my next two, I mean, you, you probably knew where this was uh, going, of course. Uh, <laughs> Gee, I wonder, a Giants fan picking Super Bowls. Huh. Are you kidding me? The, the, <laughs> these were the probably the two greatest football moments of my life. I mean, first it was Super Bowl Forty Six. I mean, I couldn't imagine this happening again. I mean, the playoffs were already crazy enough, but then this Super Bowl game, I mean, I was thinking, it's like, could it happen again? I mean a rematch i mean how often can you really beat the same team twice i mean it was brady and belichick and then everyone keeps talking i saw the one episode of man in the arena they kept talking about uh that catch all welker had to do was bring that ball down but he drops it that could have ended the game and then the mario manningham catch i mean uh, they they belichick was saying force him to go to manningham and what did they do right to manningham (laughs) It was it was one of the, I I think it was, that is got to be one of the best passes of Eli Manning's career because to be stepping up in that moment and then they marched downfield. I mean I was happy when they scored the touchdown, but then everyone was saying no, there's too much time left. You got you gave Brady like almost an entire minute. Yeah, but yeah. The, but then our defense did what they did best. Justin Tuck got a big sack and then we they forced the hail mary. I mean I remember that hail mary going up and then. Being knocked down, Gronkowski was pretty close to making yeah, a play was. on it, and then the Giants winning their second Super Bowl. I couldn't believe it; they did it again, and then that was just a great moment. I mean, second ring for Coughlin and Manning, and then you got something to say, Eric? Yeah, and also the Manningham catch was actually in front of Belichick, which was like perfect because you said go to Manningham. They go to Manningham on the sideline, near sideline. It's right in front of Belichick. Two feet in, gets the ball, and it's like, you wanted us to go to him. Here you go. Served on a platter. Yeah, and then, of course, number one, Super Bowl forty-two. I mean, even the NFL historians regard this as one of the greatest Super Bowls of all time. I mean, yep. a, a true David versus Goliath. All the Patriots need to do is win this game. And they have football immortality where they can say they were the greatest team ever to play the game. But yet you had Eli Manning and a tough defense, which, again, they, you got to keep in mind, this defense had Michael Strahan in his final year going all out. You had OCU Minura. You had yep. guys like Corey Webster and Antonio Pierce just dominating. And then there was an it, it was a great game because you look at it, there was enough defense to keep you excited, and there was enough offense to show that this was not going to be a boring game. And, I mean, the helmet catch, I mean, I, I, I will be honest. I mean, when I saw the Super Bowl, I was about, like, 10 years old. And, again, you're a young kid. And, I mean, at one point, 
I mean, I think I left the room because I, we were at, we were hanging out with like our neighbors watching the game, and I think some of the everyone else got bored at one point and were playing video games. So I had walked out of the room. So I think I may have missed it live when the helmet catch happened. Ooh. But but I remember like looking at the highlights. I mean, man, he had his jersey tugged and everything, making that pass. I mean, yeah, I completely understand. Yeah, that if that pass doesn't happen. And we may be experiencing technical difficulties at the second. Noah's frozen in We're time. Be able to, because even then, uh, like Randy Moss, like that Hail Mary downfield, he was so close, he had his hands on it. And yet it was a big drop of his career. A guy known reliably for his hands. But on, this game is the reason that made it so magical when I got to watch New York Giants play. So my... So there you go. Super Bowl 54, 49, 43, 46, and 42. All right. I, man, I think we're a little the same on a few of these. Uh, okay. Super Bowl 43, I thought was great. But you also mentioned the Seattle and Patriots Super Bowl, and I have to put that in because that was the last game to me that I stopped hating Brady and just respected what he did. And finally having a moment go his way and a catch go his way. Uh, I thought that was great for him anyways. But the Pittsburgh and Arizona, I mean, the fact that you tiptoed in the back of the end, back corner of the end zone, there was not – there was maybe – it was like a 90-degree angle of that ground that Santonio Holmes had in the very back corner. And I think they were on the near hash mark as well, if I'm not mistaken. So you had less field to work with, and it was zone coverage, and it was the perfect spot and the perfect height for Santonio Holmes to get that catch, and it is just unbelievable. Uh, so you got to go for that Super Bowl. Uh, Super Bowl 42. And again, these are t- typically in no order. Um, I don't even know how I'd rank these ones, honestly. And I think if I would to ra- if I were to rank these, um, I'd have to say 53 is one, because to me, that was a chess match. Because all season long, and I remember talking about this on the, on the radio station, at 88.7 WSYC. And I remember us, like my friends and I talking to you about it. And I'm like, listen, we had an entire year that was so offensive driven, but the Super Bowl was defensive driven. And I was, I just watched the highlights of this game just this past week because they had Tom Brady's retirement games, his best games that he had. And it was just like one of those games where you didn't really know who, like the Rams had a three nothing lead. Then the Patriots came and won or at the three. I think they were tied at three and then the Patriots get a touchdown and then they get a late field goal with less than two minutes. And I'm like this, you didn't really know who was going to win it because who knew if the Rams were actually going to score, they had Todd Gurley, but they didn't really go to Todd Gurley in that game. They stopped going to him for some reason. They weren't able to throw the ball because Jared Goff could not recognize the coverage, whether it was cover three, cover two, cover four, whatever it was. Bill, Bill Belichick was able to disguise the coverage so well. They took the running game away from them, which is what got the Rams to the Super Bowl at that point anyways. So it's like, man, this, th- to me, this was a great chess match for a football game, and we had such high offensive scoring. I mean, you think about that Monday night scoring, there was, what, 100 points almost between the Chiefs and the Rams in L.A. because they had to move the, the game because of the wildfires that were going on. And it, it was just a crazy season. And 
and it ended up being a defensive battle. And it ended up being probably the Patriots. I mean, obviously, it's the Patriots. That's the goal right now. But it was such a great game, and you didn't really know who was going to win. And it really kept you on the edge of your seat because the Patriots would move, and then they move backwards. The Rams would move, and then they would move backwards. So it's really great, very intense game to watch. Um, and then I, I probably would have to say Pittsburgh and Arizona is next. Then I got the Carol. Actually, man, the last three are all New England games. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, to me, the first best game I saw that I really paid attention to was the Patriots and Carolina Panthers. Uh, Jake DeLome versus Tom Brady and the Patriots versus, uh, in Houston, Reliance Stadium. And, oh, my goodness, to me, that was the best game because it was a defensive battle in the first half. And I don't there was not many points scored until the very end of the first half. And then all of a sudden, 31-20, or, yeah, I think it was 32-29 was the final score with Adam Vinatieri winning the game once again. But if it wasn't for the bad kickoff with about a minute something left in the game, I believe New England had three timeouts or two timeouts left. And if, it, if Ricky Pearl's kick, or not Ricky Pearl, the kick did not go out of bounds, the Patriots would not have started at the 40-yard line. They only had about 20 yards to go and sent about 45 yards to get to field goal range. It, oh, my goodness. To me, when you see Messina Muhammad running down the sideline for the longest Super Bowl catch, uh, touchdown catch of all time, and you see um, Foster going down the sideline as well, uh, really getting some running lanes, for the Panthers, it was just an incredible game, but it was it was messed up because of a bad kick. And I, I felt so bad for Carolina. I was really open for them. Also, a young Julius Peppers in that game. Ricky Manning was on that team as well. It was ah, such a good game, but it was so heartbreaking to watch the Panthers lose in that way. And then I, I'd have to say, I'd have to agree with your Giants and your Patriots the first time uh, in – in Arizona, I mean, that was the second best, greatest game I've ever seen. Um, and like I've said before, I I remember watching in my basement the entire game. Uh, the Patriots fans were farther back. We had the Giants fans on this time on this side. I wasn't even a Giants fan at the time, but and my my father wasn't even a Giants fan at the time either. He, I believe, is a Niners fan, and all we were chanting the entire game was eighteen and one. 18 the entire game and my brother's like no way they're not gonna lose it and i'm like watch we'll see and i remember watching the helmet catch because we're like oh crap eli manning's going down there it goes oh oh my goodness he got out of it oh where's he throwing why are you throwing to the middle why are you throwing to the middle and he threw it to the middle and i don't even know if you remember the justin timberlake uh commercial it was a year after with the the gum on the guy's helmet and it was david tyree's helmet which is also another great commercial, by the way. And Justin Timberlake, I think Jimmy Fallon was part of it. And they're like, do you think he noticed? No, I don't think so. And, <laughs> and they had the gum. They're like, oh, crap. We'll take that off. He's not a starter. He's not going to go in. He goes in with the gum on the head. And that's why he stayed. <laughs> uh, obviously, that's not what happened. But it's a crazy game. And then Plasco Burroughs to the left side. Touchdown, who broke who broke free. And oh my goodness, such a great game. And then I, I have to admit this. I'm not much of a Patriots fan. And I 
I, again, like I said, I stopped hating the Patriots in the Super Bowl and stopped rooting against them after they lo- after they beat the uh, Seahawks. Super Bowl 51, greatest game ever, greatest comeback ever. Tom Brady's fifth Super Bowl ring. Uh, he was also suspended. I don't know if you've seen the episode in the last uh, Man in the Arena with this episode, but the, the four weeks he had off was like an extra paid vacation for him. He only played, played 12 games and just – he came back on a mission. And I love the fact that Roger Goodell had to give him the Super Bowl winning trophy because you suspended me, but I'm still ending up here and I'm still the champ. Now what? <laughs> yeah. I, I, if there was any moment where I know we talked about Aaron Rodgers being like, you know, I still own you. Honestly, <laughs> if, if Brady ended up doing that, that would have been funny. But then you meant you mentioned um, Super Bowl 53. Uh, between the Rams and Patriots. I mean, when we were listing boring Super Bowls, I actually almost ranked that one number one because I remember watching that game and we're like, can they score a touchdown? Like, come on. Like, is is somebody going to score a touchdown? And they kept bringing it up. It's like, this is the longest that any Super Bowl game has gone without scoring a touchdown. I think the last, the only touchdown of the game was scored with, I think, like, Three minutes. Less than three minutes. Yeah. Less than less than three minutes. That was the only touchdown of the game. I mean, and it was Sony Michelle running up the middle because Rob Gronkowski had a seam route on the left side and was able to just kind of get down into the goal line. And Michelle did the rest. But it was also, if you think about it, and again, we had such great offensive firepower up until that game. Because if you if you remember the AFC and NFC championship games both went to overtime, and it was the first time that's ever happened that both of the conference championship games were overtime. And then we had, I mean, it was like 34 to, or whatever it was, both were high scoring games. We get to the Super Bowl, 13-3 is the final score. And again, I have no problem with people labeling boring, but that was a chess match game. And that, if you're a defensive guy like me, because no offense, I'm more defensive than offensive, I loved it. And I thought it was a, it was such an underrated Super Bowl game. And then, then there was Super Bowl Fifty One that you mentioned. I mean, that was uh, one game on. where it, it felt like it was going away. Where you know, I was just, I was just watching it, and then I like you, you're just slowly seeing it. It's like Falcons, come on, finish the game, finish the game. Do and something. You see, you just see it. You just see that. You have the the catch by Edelman. I mean, it's bobbled up in the air, and then somehow he keeps it from touching the ground, and oh. it's like ri- ridiculous. And then, I mean, I didn't understand the memes after a while when they started coming out. I mean, I wasn't even into memes with social media because I wasn't even on Instagram at that point. But <laughs> I did not know the whole thing of twenty eight to three until like the next season. But then it's like, oh man, yeah. Man, I, as a Falcons fan, I would be so frustrated if everywhere I would go, it's like twenty-eight to three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like to me, and it was finally great. And I remember watching it at a friend's house, and my friend's like, "Dude, you're you're going for the Patriots." I'm like, "It doesn't look pretty now." I'm telling you right now, it's gonna get better. And he's like, "What?" And as every every touchdown happened, and as the Patriots are coming back, I'm like. This is why. This is why you don't bet against Brady. <laughs> and I like ever since, ever since the Seahawks Super Bowl, I have never bet against Brady. I will always be 
a Brady supporter. I don't even care if I'm not a fan of him. Yeah, even as a Jets fan, I respect the crap out of that guy. And nope, you you've earned my respect. I hated him when he first came into the league. I don't know why. I just thought he was maybe too good looking. Probably. I don't know. But I was also young and naive. And sometimes I, part of me is like, damn, I could have been a Patriots fan this entire time. And look at all, but like being a Patriots and, Jack, and Yankees fan, just it didn't mess well with me. I don't know why. I don't, I just had to be my own man. But I, I respect the 20 years of Brady, and I respect the 10 Super Bowls that he had, even the three losses. Um, some of those weren't his fault. But, again, they just got the best of him, and that's, and that's okay. And now this leads us to our Super Bowl of this week, um, who we're taking, what, what we expect. And, no, I got to say, Cincinnati's in a, a minus four in this game. I think the over-under is 48 and a half points. Do you think that's too low? For the Super Bowl? Uh, I mean, I think it's kind of, I think it might be a bit close because you got to think that the Rams have a good defense and mm-hmm. then the Bengals themselves, their defense has actually uh, stepped up pretty good. And I mean, in, the, in this postseason, they've been able to keep some of the games uh, low scoring. I mean, they didn't give up too much to the Raiders. The Titans game, uh, that was uh, another low scoring match. And then you know that. Your, the defense played, of course, good in the second half against the Chiefs because they did not give up a single touchdown to Patrick Mahomes. So mm-hmm. that that is definitely battle tested and certified, like very good defense. And I think that's uh, pretty pretty accurate. But it's, I mean, knowing the betting odds, I mean, somebody's going to end up winning like a, a lot of money. Oh yeah, yeah. And actually, in this in this playoff run, Cincinnati's defense has allowed twenty one points in the three games. The Rams have allowed eighteen points in the uh, playoffs as well, or it's at least average 18 points. Um, the one thing that's not really being talked about is, like you said, the Cincinnati Bengals defense. I mean, the fact that they had Mahomes go scoreless in the second half. Mahomes never go scoreless in the second half. What, Whatever they did, and they were only, I believe, they didn't really blitz that much in the game. They backed up in coverage enough where they didn't have to disguise their, their matchups. They just knew, play zone, Give him and make sure he he overreacts, and that's exactly what they did. Um, with the Rams, it, it's so difficult because if you're looking at like who has the edge, if you're looking at the coaching matchup, Sean McVay obviously has the the overwhelming matchup over uh, Zach over his friend um, for the Cincinnati Bengals, Zach Smith, Taylor, I believe. Taylor, yeah. yeah. I don't know why I keep thinking Smith. I, don't, I have no idea why. But I would have to give the edge if I'm looking at the coaches, Sean McVay. If you're looking at the quarterback, who really has the edge? Because it's both their first times in the Super Bowl. You're going, you're saying the veteran versus not really a rookie because this is his second season. But you're also maybe Burroughs should be the comeback player of the year because of the injury he had last season to this season. And it like you don't I don't really know who to give the edge to in the quarterback because Joe Burrow literally is Joe Smooth right now. They're there's nothing this guy can't do. He got sacked nine times against the Titans, and he still came back and they won that game because of their defense. Um, you look at the running game. Both are really good. Cam Akers, who's actually healthy now. You have Joe Mixon, who's been a very start, a very good focal point for the offense for Joe Burrow. And they don't run the ball a lot. I think they only average about 60, maybe 75 yards uh, of rushing, which isn't enough, but – it's enough to get the pressure off of Joe Burrow's hands. You look at the receivers. Who's got the edge there? 
both have great receivers. Odell Beckham Jr. You have Cooper Cup. Higby, I don't know if he's going to play or not, but who knows with the tight end spot. Um, Uzma is playing for the Cincinnati Bengals as he ripped off the uh, knee brace for their uh, the football night in Cincinnati. You have T. Higgins. You have Boyd. You have Chase. I mean, you really – like, I don't – if I'm going with just the head coach, I would give it to the, the Rams, but I'm just – I'm not seeing – this is a very even match, and I think the over – or not the over-under, the minus should be slimmer because I, I don't really think there really is a good – it's a good line for these teams. I think Cincinnati could be a minus two by Friday because obviously it's Wednesday right now. It'll probably change. But I, I think this is going to be a very close game. Or it could be a very big blowout like we've already talked about and a, probably a boring game. Maybe Aaron Donald destroys the offensive line for the Rams. Maybe Von Miller comes in as a former Super Bowl MVP and owns Joe Burrow or even backs up in coverage and gets a couple picks. Um, this LA Rams team to me reminds me of the 2011 Dallas Mavericks, where it's a lot of players that are veteran players that made up that Mavericks team. And they finally got to the, the championship game where a lot of them have either been there, haven't done, haven't been there, but it eluded them once. And now they, they have another chance and they're able to get there and hopefully win it. And that's why I see a lot of parallels with this Rams and Mavericks team of 2011. And to me, it's, I, I want to pick the Rams, but my head is saying, no, the Bengals, they're not even supposed to be here. They beat the number one team. They beat the number two team. They beat all the odds that told them they're not going to make it. Their car is going to outplay Joe Burrow. No, the Derrick Henry's back. They're going to outrun. The Bengals, no. Patrick Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes is going to th- throw Joe Burrow, no. Like everything you dish out to Joe Burrow and his Bengals team, no. We got this. We're not. We're not out of this. The Bengals still have a chance. So you're saying that you're picking Cincinnati for the game? I have not said that yet. <laughs> we did not give our predictions yet. I've okay. actually. I, this is the one Super Bowl, and I've been looking back at previous Super Bowls that. I could pick without a shadow of a doubt. The the Falcons Patriots, I picked the Patriots without a shadow of a doubt. With the uh, Seahawks Patriots, I picked the Patriots. Actually, no, I picked the Seahawks, but um, I thought I, that was a good pick. Um, this is the one I am actually torn. Because also, these are two good feel stories, feel good stories. These aren't the evil Patriots coming back into the Super Bowl. This is Matt Stafford, who's been in the league for 13 years, who's never been to the Super Bowl, finally getting a chance. A guy who broke his leg in Washington last season and is now into the Super Bowl in his second year. What what is there to hate in the Super Bowl? There's everything to love. It's all feel-good stuff. It's the underrated Cincinnati Bengals defense versus the really well-prepared defense of the Rams. I mean, there's no bad storylines here. Yeah, you really feel for both guys. I mean, Burrow has really set him up for setting up his own legacy, and especially for Cincinnati because, again, nobody can believe that Cincinnati had gotten this far, and especially when you look at the Cincinnati sports scene because, I mean, it was great this year when you finally had the Bearcats finally make the college football playoff. Then you see the Cincinnati Reds, I mean, that they, they love baseball as well, but it's been a long time since they've made a deep playoff run. And then the Bengals, I mean, again, the last time they, they made the 
to the Super Bowl before this was 1989, where, again, everyone was talking about, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, and then, you know, you, you were born that year. So, <laughs> yeah. So long, long ago. ago and so- But then everyone's going to be talking about this, like, because there's always fun facts about the game where, you know, who's going to win because of the uniform, because the Rams are wearing white while the Bengals are wearing their black uniforms, and then... The one that got me most interested was the coin toss, the controversial coin tosses. He's holding it right there. Oh. As I mean, you know, everyone's everyone's been talking about like the, the the most important game has been decided by the flip of a coin, and the that because the winner of the Super Bowl toss of, of the coin toss, they the I've team lost. that has won it has lost the last seven because the Seahawks. They won the toss in Super Bowl 49, lost to the Patriots. The Panthers won in Super Bowl 50. They lost to the Broncos. Falcons, they won the toss, and we all know what happened there. Um, the <laughs> Patriots, they won the toss and lost to the Eagles. And then the Rams won the coin toss against the Patriots. They ended up losing the game. Niners won the toss against the Chiefs. The Chiefs won the game. And the Chiefs won last year, and the Buccaneers won. So pretty much, yeah. So if... The Rams end up winning the coin toss again. Then the Bengals apparently will end up as Super Bowl champions. So I'm trying to look and see what yeah, our records logical. are. Yeah, no, like it makes sense. I'm trying to look and see what our record is because let's see. So yeah, we both we're both tied. Actually, I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken. I believe we're tied at like seven and four, or maybe it's eight and four, because we both picked Rams. Uh, although we lost, because we both picked Kansas City Chiefs as well, so we are seven and five in the playoffs. So we're both tied in this uh, upcoming round in this in the Super Bowl. Where, where are we going? And should we make a bet about the? Uh, should we include the uh, the coin toss in this? And again, there's no money involved. It's just kind of Sorry, like. You're saying... So what do we pick for the coin toss? Are we going to say it's like who thinks it's heads, who thinks it's tails, yeah. or who do you think will win the coin toss? <laughs> we could do three. So we could do what it is. We could do who's going to win the coin toss. And then, because I feel like this should be a tiebreaker anyways for the Super Bowl. And then we have our pick of who's going to win. Okay. All right. All right. So. so... Let me give me a uh, handy pen and my notepad out. All right, no, I'm ready for you. So, so I'm picking the coin toss. The coin yep. toss. All right. Um, I'm gonna say it's gonna be heads. All right. <laughs> Just say it's heads on this one. Obviously, I'm gonna say tails because it never fails. It's the only. <laughs> it's it's the only other option. <laughs> Although my friends. One of my buddies, he's always bet on the coin toss and always has won like 20 bucks just from another friend of his. And I'm like, you bet the coin toss? Who does that? Dude, you can make a lot of money by doing this. I'm like, okay, I don't bet it, but whatever. All right, so who is going to win the coin toss? All right. Um, well, <laughs> I'm going to say the Rams do because technically they're going to call it as they are the away team, technically, for the Super Bowl. All right. So I guess I got to go Cincy, which is fine with me. So now, who is going to win 
Super Bowl. Is it 54? 56. Oh, 56, man. It's, there's so many numbers. Math, you know, I'm not a math major for a reason. <laughs> Neither am I. But uh, so this is our time to make predictions. Yep. All Who's right. going to win? All right. Big good. moment. You should do like breaking news moment or like put some music here. <laughs> All right. Well, Bengal fans, you've had a great run, but I got to say, you know whose house you're coming in? Rams house says this is Matthew Stafford. This is Odell Beckham Jr. And that defense, seriously, Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller. This has got to be one of the great many names on this defense. Jalen Ramsey. And then you got a guy named Eric Weddle. He was playing pickup basketball just a month ago. And he's now got a chance to try and win the Super Bowl. I'm taking the Rams because I feel that even though they're a road team playing in their own stadium, and you even mentioned it, Sean McVay, he had a chance a few years ago. He knows he can't squander this, and he's a smart guy, and I think he's going to win this. So I I say Rams win 27-21. to 21. Okay. Oh, man. Now I have to actually pick. I feel sick to my stomach. See? Hmm. Give me a few seconds on this one. It, it is very tough. Cincinnati has had a great year. Like, you can't take anything away from them. But my one deciding factor is a big one, and it's Matt Stafford, who's played 12 seasons with the Detroit Lions, who's faced terrible, terrible, terrible seasons in coaching and misplaced and had a great receiver, but now has three great receivers. Has a tight end who actually knows how to block and plat and be in a passing game. Who has a great running game. But it's so difficult to go against Cincinnati. Oh, man. I think I'm going to go Rams. I, like As I said, even when we did these uh, playoff predictions, I'm not surprised that Cincinnati made it to the Super Bowl. I'm not. I, I thought Cincinnati could run the table and just figure it out. And I'm not surprised. And I hate picking against them. I may be rooting for them in this game, but I think I'm going to pick the Rams as well. Only because Matt Stafford, who knows, this could be his only chance of getting to the Super Bowl. Burrow's going to have years. Burrow is going to find I feel like Burrow's going to make it more times than we actually think. I think he's going to have a good system. They already have their offense figured out. It's their defense that needs a lot of work. And I think that's where... Sean McVay is going to really focus in on, especially in the offensive game plan. Defensively, I mean, are you going to double-team Donald and then leave Von Miller on the outside? Or are you going to – yeah, are you going to double Von Miller and leave Donald coming on the inside? Like, it's it's a really difficult situation to, to defend. And then who are you going to throw to? Ramsey's going to cover most likely uh, Jamar Chase the entire game. And then Higgins is going to be covering covered by Weddle. So then are you going to have Uzma in your third on your backup? And then are you going to have Boyd? Boyd's got to have a big game. Boyd and Mixon are going to have to have really big games because I think Boyd, Mixon's going to have to be in the passing game a lot. Mixon's going to have to have those shutdown throws or the, the halfback screens or just outside, just whenever you see Joe Burrow go down, that's when they got to throw it to Mixon. But I, I just – I don't see – the bang or yeah, I don't see the Bengals winning this game. I, and I think it's gonna be close. I'm gonna go 24 
to 21. I'm going to keep the 21 score, but I'm going to go 24, 21. Uh, and I got to write Noah down on my notebook and Eric. So I'm also going to write this on our uh, board, but we both have the Rams on there on the whiteboard behind me as you're looking on zoom. Well, I'm going to go Rams 24, 21. I don't feel comfortable, but just saying. <laughs> yeah. So you're, you're just feeling that, uh, what's his name? Uh, He's going to miss a field goal for uh, the Rams. That's that's the main difference. <laughs> it could be, or, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't feel safe and I don't feel comfortable. That's why this game, I, I could bet most of these games. Thankfully, I did not because I would have lost a lot of them. Uh, but, or, this could be a blowout. You know, this could be another boring game because Matt Stafford just cars up the Cincinnati Bengals defense. And Joe Burrow and the Bengals can't get anything going. And yeah, I, like that's I see these two games being very close, or I see it being a blowout. Yeah, worst thing that could happen is like uh, Burrow throwing three interceptions because again the guy doesn't get he's getting nervous because it's his first Super Bowl. And I mean, again, you you mentioned how like that he said that the, when you play against like NFL teams in certain stadiums, it's like. SEC stadiums are louder. Well, this is the Super Bowl. This is the biggest. This is one of the biggest games of his career. But I, I got uh, high hopes for uh, his future, though. Oh yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, this is an exciting game. As again, we, because we don't have to see. We don't have to see Brady. We don't have to see Roethlisberger, Mahomes, Mahomes or anybody named Manning. Like it's yeah. Burrow versus Stafford. I, I, I'm still shocked, even out how. I mean, not only since he got to the Super Bowl, but how Stafford, Matthew Stafford, everyone was mocking him and everything, but now he has a chance to finally add his name to Super Bowl greats. This is his Four chance. Super Bowl losses. Yeah. <laughs> Battle of the Nines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So now we have uh, this day in sports history with Noah, who uh, has the opportunity to do today's history lesson. Professor Noah, take it away. Yes, thank you. Um, today, in this day in history, uh, this is from on onthisday.com. The, apparently in Massachusetts, uh, W.G. Morgan invented volleyball. Okay. Volleyball, interesting. As we are facing technical difficulties, so Noah may have to uh, do this again in a second. We do apologize. Games, so... A little Olympic history, especially as they're going on right now in Beijing. You may have to say that one again, though, because we did have uh, technical difficulties. You froze. Okay, so uh, one more time, yeah. In in 1932, on this day, February 9th, the uh, American uh, Olympic team had finally competed, I believe, for the first time in bobsleigh, the two-man bobsleigh, the sport, back in 1932 as part of celebrating the Olympic Games. And then... Some other sports facts I was able to find, uh, thanks to All Sports News on Instagram, a, a very great source uh, if you want to check them out. All Sports News, uh, they do many different things with sports-related media. They said that on this day in 2015, uh, Greg Popovich of the San Antonio Spurs got his 1,000th win as a coach. So definitely want to mention that. And then also uh, on this day two years ago, was the Mookie Betts trade uh, when the Ooh. Red Sox traded away Mookie Betts to the L.A. Dodgers as it was finally completed. So, I mean, 
that those were some of the sports facts I have on this day in history. All right. Thank you, Noah. And of course, another history lesson will be by me next week, as Noah will have the uh, quote of the day, which I have the ability to do the quote of the day. And it's by Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, a New England poet who also was the first American to translate Dante Alighieri's Divine Comedy. So I don't know if you've ever read that. I've actually started reading Infer- uh, Inferno by Dante Alighieri. It's a very interesting read. Um, I got through the first chapter and completely forgot about it. But I am starting to read that. Uh, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow said, A single conversation across the table with a wise man is better than 10 years of mere study of books. So a single conversation across the table with a wise man is better than 10 years of mere study of books. So interesting uh, way to learn. And sometimes we just have to listen. We just have to be attentive. And that is why, especially when, we're in school. I mean, it's what we have to do anyways. We're not in school anymore, but every day is a classroom, whether you're in life, uh, whether you're in the office, wherever you may be, and just be listening and always attentive to what you are listening to. So that is episode seven of Midday Man of Sports podcast. Uh, Noah and I picked the Rams to win the Super Bowl. I'm not, I'm not uh, 100% about it. I still think Cincinnati is going to win. I'm probably rooting for Cincinnati. But who knows? This, this is going to be a fun game, or it could be a really boring game. Yeah, most interesting. But one last thing I got to say is good luck to our Olympians as they continue out mm. in Beijing. And one more time, whose house? Ram's house. That's how it's going to be on Sunday. Who day? Who day? Who day over there? Yeah, why not? Who day? Yeah. Who they think they ain't gonna beat them Bengals? Nobody. Exactly. That's that's how it goes. <laughs> exactly. You got it. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> and for Noah Pegler signing off, this is Eric Miller. Thank you again for listening on the Midday Matter Sports Podcast. Check it out on Facebook, uh, anywhere you get your podcast. Episode eight will be out next week, and we will recap the Super Bowl and maybe some Olympics, and maybe the NBA trade deadline is happening this Thursday. So we will recap that as well. And maybe finally start talking about other sports other than football, maybe. We'll see. But we'll see you on the other side. And until next time.